The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Brent? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Well, happy February. Happy Black History Month, 365ers. You know I had to start the month and the episode off like that. And let me not forget to mention, because this is important to say, it's also my birthday month as well. Come on, February. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm Jackie Page, uh, radio personality, fitness I'm not going to say guru because I don't I don't consider myself a guru. Fitness fanatic, uh, Zoom instructor, personal trainer, the list goes on and on and on. Join with... What's good, 365ers? We are back. My name is Britt Daniels, your fit life coach, yogi at heart, um, serial entrepreneur, all the things. Um, happy to be back here on Black History Month, Jackie. What's, what's the knowledge? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, okay? I feel good every, every day because, you know, I'm giving... 365 black but hey. i don't know it's, it's just something about february february of the weary that just hits a little different and i'm like i'm i, I really like to give the, the the black um during february on top of the fact that it's valentine's month and it's also my birthday month i just feel like All it's things. an amazing month yeah and <laughs> speaking of love okay and speaking of health and black health it's also American Heart Month. It's just a lot of love, a lot of greatness happening this month. I mean, what more can I say? <laughs> I'm feeling the love through this. I'm, I'm feeling the love through the microphone, Jackie. <laughs> well, speaking of which, 365 is speaking of love, speaking of heart health and compassion. I think it would be great if we actually started this, this talk off with our, our Dharma talks. And just to remind you guys, we do these Dharma talks just to set the tone for the conversation. And today's Dharma talk, with everything that's going on in the world is about having an open heart and being compassionate. An open heart and compassion can be a source of light in the world, especially during these challenging times when there's so much negativity and bad news. And the key to cultivating that open heartness and compassion is to recognize the inherent goodness in all beings and circumstances. When we approach others with openness and understanding, it creates a positive ripple effect and we can help to create more love and support around the world like that, right? And our small circles that extend to larger circles. So remember that everyone is going through their own struggles and hardships and extending some empathy, compassion, kindness can make all the difference. The more we practice this, the easier it becomes to impact the world around us. So yeah, it's a lot going on right now, Jackie. <laughs> it is. It's definitely a lot going on, which is, you know, all the more reason why um, we need to talk about love. We need to spread love. We need to talk about our heart and our heart health. Because when, like you said, when these things happen, 
they don't only affect, you know, the people around us and they don't only affect like our brain, it affects our heart. It's added stress, added stress, you know, it affects the body. So I think it's very important that we talk about our heart and heart health because, you know, Valentine's Day is this month. It is my birthday month. It is Black History Month. And it's American Heart Month. So I'm really excited to have Marcus L. Brown, Dr. Marcus L. Brown, joining us today. Uh, Dr. Brown is a board-certified physician in interventional cardiology, cardiovascular disease, and nuclear cardiology, and currently serves as the chief of cardiology at Northside Hospital, as well as the director of cardiac rehabilitation. Dr. Brown, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent today. Thank you all for having me. No, thank you so much for joining and coming on and talking about um, the heart, um, heart health, because it is definitely something that I've kind of noticed that we as Black people, we kind of deal with a lot more than our counterparts. Yes. And, um, you know, I think there's a number of uh, reasons why, and we can kind of get into that when we start talking more about heart disease and, and risk factors um, that, that actually contribute to, uh, to heart attacks. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just dive into it. Let's talk about the heart and something that affects black people is like you said, heart attacks. What exactly is a heart attack? I feel like this is a very elementary question, <clears throat> but because it's affecting us so much, I feel like we need to know exactly what it is. Yeah, no, it's not a it's not an elementary question at all. So, you know, when we talk about it in medical terms, you'll hear it called a myocardial infarction. And that's, you know, what that is, is just where the heart muscle is not getting enough blood supply. So what actually causes a heart attack um, in the traditional sense um, is uh, your arteries that supply your heart actually have plaque that's built up in the arteries and they can um, get, give blockages and, and the plaque actually ruptures. And once it ruptures, you create a blood clot in the artery that cuts off the blood supply to the heart. And then the heart muscle starts to die. That process of the heart muscle dying is actually what a heart attack is. And that's why they call it a myocardial infarction. The heart muscle is infarcting. It's actually dying because it's not getting enough blood supply from that blockage. So just, to, I guess, an add-on to that, um, what is the difference between a heart attack and a stroke? Because I feel like a lot of people may think they kind of run along the same lines um, and just want you to clarify um, as to if they do or if they don't. Yes. You know, I like to tell people to actually think of a stroke as a heart attack of the brain because they're, they are the very, very similar processes. Um, what actually causes a stroke is again, when one of the vessels that supplies blood to the brain actually is blocked. And it can be blocked from plaque, but it can also be blocked from a blood clot. And the same process happens. Once it's blocked, the brain doesn't get enough blood supply, and then your brain cells start to die. And that's actually what a stroke is, is, is when brain cells start to die because they're not getting enough blood supply. Doctor, another question is somewhat similar is what is the difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest? Now, that's a very good question. And, and of course, you know, I've, I've gotten that question a lot with, you know, what happened with uh, with Demar Hamlin um, uh, during the Monday night football. Um, but so a heart attack, you know, is just what I described earlier. 
Now, cardiac arrest, uh, now heart attack can cause cardiac arrest, but cardiac arrest in of itself is just a process when the heart actually stops beating. And it can be caused from an abnormal heart rhythm where, you know, your heart uh, generally gets a rhythm from the top right chamber that tells it when to beat. And um, it's called the, the sinoatrial node, which is actually your intrinsic pacemaker. And that's kind of, you know, it sends a signal to the heart muscle and tells it when to beat. Well, you can have abnormal heart rhythms um, and it can get the heart out of sync. And if the heart muscle is not getting that signal from its internal and its intrinsic pacemaker, then it stops beating. And so that's the process of cardiac arrest is when the muscle stops because it's not getting that intrinsic electrical activity from this intrinsic pacemaker. So is that what happened to DeMar Hamlin since you brought it up? He had cardiac arrest and not a heart attack. You're right. Well, so, you know, we don't we don't know, you know, of course, you know, I'm not privy to his uh, to his you know, his medical records and and the, the results of his test. But what he had was cardiac arrest. So um, whatever caused it, and we can talk a little bit, you know, we can speculate what might have caused it, but whatever caused it, his heart actually stopped beating. And you, and we kind of know that um, by a couple of things. One is that, you know, they started performing CPR. And so that tells us when they checked his pulse, they didn't feel a pulse. If you don't feel a pulse, the heart is not beating, it's not contracting. That's when people start CPR. So we know that he was in cardiac arrest because his heart muscle wasn't beating. Now we don't know what caused the cardiac arrest. That's the, you know, that's kind of the thing. So there are a number of things that can actually cause cardiac arrest. Having a heart attack is one of the causes, and it's probably one of the most common causes of cardiac arrest. However, you know, when we when we think about heart attack in the traditional sense, like uh, what I explained earlier, when you know you have plaque buildup and then there's a you know, a rupture of the plaque and a clot that forms and it stops the heart from getting enough blood supply. That's not something that I would think someone of DeMar Hamlin's age and risk profile would have. So I, I, I wouldn't think that he had a traditional heart attack to cause his cardiac arrest. So he had cardiac arrest, but, you know, you know, some of the things, again, speculating what, what could have caused it, you know, there is a rare, you know, a condition where you can get struck in the heart, um, you know, in a particular moment in the cardiac cycle, and that can actually cause cardiac arrest in of itself. It's a very rare condition. And there was some speculation that that might have been what caused it because it did occur after he he had the uh, the impact to his chest wall. And it's called uh, commodio cordis. And what it is, is, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a impact into the chest wall. It's seen, you know, it's seen more often um, in young people, like if they get hit in the chest with like a, a hockey puck or something with a high velocity, it hits the, it hits the heart right in the, in the, in the perfect electrical cycle. And then it uh, induces what we call ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. And all that is, is one of those abnormal heart rhythms that the heart muscle doesn't recognize. And so the heart stops beating. So it goes into cardiac arrest. Um, and, you know, it's, it's either, you know, ventricular tachycardia where it's beating really, really fast, or it goes into ventricular fibrillation where it's not really squeezing. It's just kind of sitting there fibrillating. So something happened to, you know, cause his heart to go into one of those rhythms. 
um, some of the other things that we that we think about um, in younger athletes um, is a condition such as um, hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy. And what that is, is that's uh, it's a congenital abnormality when you're born with an enlarged heart. And over time, you form scar tissue in the heart. And again, that scar tissue can then um, lead to the abnormal electrical heart rhythm, like we talked about, the ventricular fibrillation, the ventricular tachycardia. Um, that is the number one cause of sudden cardiac death in young athletes, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So I'm, you know, 100% sure he got, he got screened for that. Um, another thing that can cause it that we see in young athletes, and again, you know, these are very, very rare things, um, is uh, anomalous coronary arteries where you're actually born where your arteries come off of your aorta and one of them comes off, uh, say, in the wrong location and it has to circle back around um, to get to the right part of the heart. And that artery then is compressed between your aorta and your pulmonary artery. And so sometimes athletes, um, if they have this condition, when they exerted themselves, the aorta, the pulmonary artery can contract and compress that, that artery and cause, again, a cardiac arrest. Um, again, a very rare um, disorder, but I have I have uh, seen it. Um, and then there are other um, electrical disorders that you can be born with. Uh, and one of the more common ones is what we call a long QT syndrome. And again, it's in that cardiac cycle where you're born with abnormal sodium channels and it makes you more a little bit more likely to go into those dangerous heart rhythms of like ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation. So, you know, you know, likely what happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin is one of these disorders, one of the ones I named, not a traditional heart attack, but likely one of the other disorders. Um, but, you know, he, you know, again, would have to have multiple tests to try to really figure out exactly what it is. So then you could know the treatment and, you know, preventative things going forward. Doctor, this may be a very, thank you for all of that. I was very comprehensive. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of it. <laughs> that was a lot. This might be somewhat of a preliminary question, um, but perhaps it may influence ways and methods that people can take care of their heart, healthy ways. But what, as an organ, foundationally, what is the functioning role of a heart in the human body? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, you know, that's a good question. So, you know, it, if you ask cardiologists, they're going to say the heart's the most important organ in the body. Just like if you ask the neurologist, they're going to say the brain. If you ask the nephrologist, they're going to say the kidney. But, um, you know, generally the role of the heart, you know, of the heart is to actually supply blood to the body and all of the organs. And that's why it's so important, you know. And so, you know, you know, the heart actually pumps, it squeezes, it squeezes blood from the ventricle into the aorta. And the aorta is, is the main artery in the body. And then branch arteries branch off of the aorta that then go and supply the brain. They go and supply your, uh, your, uh, your intestines. They go and supply your kidneys. Um, they go and supply your liver. So all of these uh, arteries branch off of the aorta, which is again, the, you know, the blood supply from the aorta comes from the heart. So that's the main function of the heart to to uh to supply blood to all of the you know the organs in the body yeah um i want to ask a question about heart disease and stroke when it comes to um the black community because i feel like it's something that affects us and i kind of mentioned this earlier it hits us a lot harder than it hits anybody else um what's the reasoning behind that and then i guess the second question to that i feel like 
I'm hearing more women say that they're dealing with uh, heart attacks and stroke than ever before. Is there a particular reasoning for that? Is it because, you know, we're out here in the workforce working more? Like, is there a reason in that as well? Yeah, so that's a, so it's a very good question. So, you know, you will find that, um, you know, cardiovascular disease is going to affect, you know, our community, African-American community more. And um, if you if you kind of take it, um, you know, one condition at a time, you know, there are risk factors that we that we consider um, that put patients at higher risk of having heart disease. And those risk factors themselves tend to be more prevalent in our community, the African-American community. So when we think about heart disease um, and we say, what are the things that actually increase your risk of heart disease or and having heart attacks and having strokes? Um, we look at things like high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, family history, um, obesity, uh, sedentary lifestyles, um, and then the hereditary and the genetic component. Um, so those are kind of the, you know, the medical conditions and, and again, the genetic conditions that actually predispose you and increase your risk of having heart attacks. And so those conditions, unfortunately, tend to be more prevalent in, in our community. So um, that kind of leads us to have more heart disease because we have more of those conditions. Um, and, you know, another thing that I always tend to, uh, that I like to bring up, you know, there are non-medical things that we as African-Americans and, you know, other minority communities as well tend to deal with um, what we call social determinants of health, you know, and, and, and what, when I, when we say social determinants of health, what we're talking about are some of those non-medical factors that influence health outcomes. And there are conditions in which people are born, grow up, work, live, and age in uh, a wider set of forces and systems that kind of shape the conditions of people's daily lives. So, you know, you know, when we, we think about things like racism and economic policies and social policies and political systems, you know, those are things that, you know, other communities don't have to deal with, but those are actually stressors on the body and we can and we consider those social determinants of health you know where you where you live sometimes dictates you know um how healthy you are and there have been studies to show that you know zip codes that have you know whole foods or 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 gymnasiums and parks and things of that nature they tend to have healthier people so if you take you know a community that doesn't have you know you know equal access to, you know, to good food. They don't have the park so you can go work out. You know, they don't have, you know, the gymnasiums and and uh, and things where you can go and, and exercise, then that community tends to be less healthier than than um, than the other communities that have those things. So that's what I mean when I say social determinism. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So there's a direct connection between stress, mental stress, and heart. So, yeah. So, 
you know, it's not a, so when we say a direct connection, um, it's not what we call a, uh, a primary risk factor. So when we talk about primary risk factors for heart disease, it's those things that we talk, that, that I talked about before, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, a family history of heart disease, and your age. Those are primary direct influences of, of heart disease. Um, but there are some other things that actually are secondary influences of heart disease. And we know um, things such as, you know, stress, you know, being overweight, uh, having a sedentary lifestyle. Those things are also secondary influences of, uh, of heart disease. And uh, the American Heart Association, uh, American Heart Association actually came up um, and published um, what's called life, Life's Essential Aches which are some key measures for actually improving and maintaining good cardiovascular health. And it's some, you know, there's some basic things in there that, that we all kind of consider like, you know, eating better, being more active, quitting tobacco. But one of the things that was actually added was getting more sleep. And there've been some stuff. Yeah. There've been studies to show that a healthy amount of sleep is seven to nine hours each night and getting, getting less sleep, actually has been shown to increase cardiovascular disease, increase cognitive disorders like dementia. It increases blood pressure. It increases depression. Um, it increases obesity. So, so actually getting sleep is actually important. And that's one of the things that was actually added to, to, uh, to the American Heart Association's um, uh, key elements um, you know, this past year. I actually like that you said that. Um, the last few weeks we've talked about meditation and making sure that, you know, we do a really good job of like, you know, finding time to relax and not only relax our bodies, but also relax our minds. Um, and, and I like that you said that because a lot of people don't think that sleep is super important. They go with the four to five hours, if not less, and they're like, oh, I'm good off of that. Um, but not getting enough sleep affects you in so many ways. Totally agree. Yeah. I so totally agree. Um, absolutely love that you said that. Yeah, sidebar from that, um, the thing about the use of caffeine, we know we live in a society where people are constantly on the go, 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 consuming all types of drinks from coffee to pre-workout. Um, and just wondering what's your perspective as a cardiologist uh, about the effect of caffeine on the heart? Mm. Yeah, so that's a very good question. And I get that question often. I will say that, you know, Caffeine in in you know average and moderate amounts are 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 fine. Definitely excessive caffeine um, can cause you know cardiovascular problems. Um, kind of depending on you know if you have underlying uh, issues such as you know if you are predisposed to certain arrhythmias. Again, you know um, not the deadly arrhythmias like we talked about um, you know earlier, but but some other more uh, benign arrhythmias, such as like uh, supraventricular tachycardia, where your heart actually speeds up. Um, or some people have what we call premature ventricular contractions or premature atrial contractions, where the heart actually, you know, has, you know, gets extra beats that it really doesn't need. Um, we do know that uh, consuming excess caffeine increases those extra beats. So if people have palpitations. And, you know, I ask my, my patients all the time, if they come in with palpitations and we actually do a monitor 
and the monitor shows that they have extra beats. One of the things I ask them is, you know, are there anything that you know that can actually bring them on that actually precipitate those? And 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 caffeine is sometimes one of those things that when they consume more caffeine, they get extra beats. So, you know, you know, in that instance, I will tell patients to cut back on caffeine. We do know that caffeine does transiently uh, raise the blood pressure but it's usually not a sustained thing. It, it, it kind of goes up and then it comes back down. Um, so it's, you know, it's not one of those things that, you know, when people have high blood pressure and we diagnose them with high blood pressure, I tell them, hey, you gotta cut out caffeine. You know, so as long as you're drinking caffeine in the usual moderate amounts, I think it's fine. Now, excessive amounts of caffeine, I, I just remember, you know, years ago, I was actually taking care of a patient who actually drank two pots of coffee a day. Now that is, that is, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> two pots of coffee a day. It was literally, she sat at home and she drank, you know, she told me anywhere between 14 to 20 cups of coffee a day. Now that is excessive. And, and again, you know, there are no studies done because, you know, not that many people, you know, that many people are going to consume that, that amount. So we don't know the long-term effects, but definitely, you know, something like that is considered, you know, significantly excessive, but caffeine in a moderate amount, um, as long as it's not causing you any symptoms, it's, it's fine. I'm going to definitely take that to heart. Me and Jackie are both personal trainers and um, <laughs> pre-workout is definitely a part of my diet. Now, Britt, now I will tell you the one thing that I always warn people about uh, with the energy drinks and things of that nature, it's not really the caffeine as much as it is the sugar. A lot of those mm. are packed with sugars. Now, you do have some of them that don't have sugar, but a lot of the, the energy drinks are packed with sugar. And, and, and it's the sugar that kind of, you know, is is worse for the health, you know, all, all the carbs than, you know, than the actual caffeine itself. Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. So here's a question. Um, to Britt's point, I actually used to go really heavy on pre-workout, but then I didn't really, I started to notice how it was making me feel, um, including like my heart was just beating super fast. And I was like, mm, I, I, I don't like this. Is that something that I need, like, is that something I need to be on the lookout for? If anybody listening, they're like, I'm taking a, a pre-workout or I'm drinking too much caffeine and my heart started beating fast. Like maybe I should back up off of this. Cause that's why I backed up off of it. Cause I ain't like the way my heart was beating. I was like, just don't feel right. That was yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, that is one of the, uh, that is one of the effects of caffeine. You know, when caffeine actually works in the body, um, it does, it does bind receptors and actually speeds the heart rate up. It speeds up myocardial contractility. So it makes the heart beat, beat harder and stronger and faster. Um, and what, and what another thing that caffeine does and, 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 and Jackie, you alluded to this is, you know, again, the effects of caffeine tend to be very transient and what it does is it lips, it, 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 you know, if you start out at a baseline, you, you drink a whole lot of caffeine. The way I explain it to people is it'll kind of lift you up, 
But then when you come down, it actually brings you down below the baseline of where you started. So a lot of people, when they consume excessive amounts of caffeine, you know, it'll keep them hype for a couple of hours. But then once it wears off, they feel worse than they did before they even drank it. And that was me. I'm like, yeah. why did I do this? Like, this was horrible. Yeah. Question. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it is it a good thing to actually have pre-workout if it's going to increase your heart rate? If you're about to go to the gym and increase your heart rate there, too. It just sounds like it's counterproductive. Like it's just <laughs> doing too much. I will say it's not it's not something that I actually encourage. Um, yeah, no it's more. not something that I, you, you know, that I actually encourage, you know, the things that we encourage when people are getting ready to work out, definitely hydration, hydration, hydration. I can't tell you, you know, how many patients I've actually seen in consultation, uh, because they worked out and they were, you know, dehydrated and they got into an intense workout and then passed out and they came to see me and we did all, you know, we, we, we tested them up and down. We didn't find anything wrong, but they were just dehydrated, you know, or they didn't get enough sleep. Again, going back to what you said, Jackie, you know, not getting enough sleep. I mean, you know, we've, uh, I, I remember seeing one patient who actually only got maybe two or three hours of sleep and then went and did one of those intense workouts and then passed out and, and again did all the tests. And then when we, you know, kind of really sat down and talked about it, the only thing we found was you know, she went and worked out and only slept for two hours, you know, before she did that intense workout. So, you know, those are, you know, some of the basic things that I tell people, you know, and that we talk, you know, in our patients with cardiac rehabilitation is just making sure that you're very well hydrated and well rested and in, and in a good place before you begin. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Three sixty fivers. I'm sorry, Britt. I gotta say this, but three sixty fivers because that has been a trend on social media where people get the little pre workout and they be taking a shot of it. Stop doing that, okay? That is your what's the three sixty five? Right. Stop doing that, okay? It ain't good. Make you need to take a, a shot of water. Go ahead, Britt. I'm sorry, I had to get that off. Oh, head. good. Well, doctor, I got kind of a zesty question talking about activity in the heart. Um, it's Valentine's month. <laughs> um, <laughs> We hear some stories we might see on TV sometimes people are having sex and have a heart attack. Um, is that something in your in your field that you've heard of before? Spill the tea. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. And, you, you know, is is not as much, you know, the sex itself is the, you know, is the it's the physiological thing that goes along with the sex, you know, it's the it's the, you know, the raising of the blood pressure, the high heart rate um and everything else that can happen you know with sex but also with uh with exercising and working out you know so i've seen i've seen heart attacks happen after people work out and that's kind of you know it's kind of counterintuitive you, you know kind of intuitive because you know i you know after the patient has a heart attack and then i put the stent in and they say well doc i was trying to exercise and take care of myself and then i had a heart attack you know and so you know we have to kind of go and, and and talk about heart disease in a little bit more detail 
but yeah, I have have had patients who have had heart attacks during sexual intercourse and came to the hospital and yeah, it was a true heart attack and, and had to get a stent in. And it always leads for, um, you, you know, good conversation, you know, down the road, you know, when we actually, <laughs> when we actually have the clinic appointment and, you know, he brings in the wife. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we crack some good jokes. Three six of hours. You heard it here. Be careful on Valentine's Day. They have to, they Listen, have to or just speak. go ahead and start walking in advance. So when that time happens, your heart is good and ready. Don't be waiting until the last minute and find yeah. yourself in Dr. Brown's office. Like we trying to help you out now. Okay, this is That's why this right. is called the Black Up Three Sixty Five Podcast, right? <laughs> um, Dr. Brown, how do I know if I'm having a heart attack? Well, that's a good question. So. You know, um, there are certain signs and symptoms that can actually point to a heart attack and just in general heart disease. So one of the main things is chest pain. Now, you know, most chest pain is not caused from a heart attack. And most people who are having chest pain, not really having a heart attack, because there, there are a number of other things that can cause chest pain, uh, whether it's musculoskeletal pain or, or pain coming from the GI tract. But one of the most important and, and, and common symptoms of having a heart attack is chest pain. And so generally described as, as a pressure or heaviness in the chest, you know, you have some people say it feels like an elephant sitting on my chest. I've had people, you know, describe it like that, but it's usually severe chest discomfort. Um, it can stay in the middle of the chest, but sometimes it'll radiate to the jaw, it'll radiate to the shoulder, it'll radiate down the arm, and in some people it radiates to the back. Um, it's usually associated with uh, other symptoms like shortness of breath where people, you know, they're, they're hurting in their chest and they're saying, you know, I'm hurting in my chest and I can't, I can't catch my breath. I can't breathe. Um, it's usually associated with uh, breaking out in a, you know, in a cold sweat uh, where, you know, I've had patients when they're having a heart attack, they're coming in, they're grasping their chest and they're just drenched in sweat. Um, some people say they get numbness, you know, in their fingers going down their arm. Um, and some people get so weak from the heart attack that they actually pass out or feel like they're going to pass out. So it's a constellation of those symptoms. If, if, if you have those symptoms, then your antenna should go up and you should start thinking, man, am I, you know, am I having a heart attack? I have another question to that. Um, is there a certain thing as silent heart attack? Because I feel like going through some of my CPR first aid certifications and even um, going through like my personal trainer certifications, that's something that I've heard of is, um, especially more with women, is a silent heart attack. So somebody has a heart attack, they don't know that they have it until like later on when they have, I guess, a more severe one. Yes, that is a thing. And so, you know, um, when we say, when we think of silent heart attacks, what we what we consider that is someone who who has a heart attack that is discovered later on, um, either by looking at their uh, their electrocardiogram, their EKG, or by doing you know testing on the heart for some other reason, and we can you know there are tests that we can actually do to check the perfusion of the heart, and we see scar tissue, and we can look at the test and say, hmm, you have scar tissue on your nuclear scan, it's, it's called a nuclear stress test. We, you know, you have, you have scar tissue, you have an area of your heart that did not take up the tracer, that's indicative of scar tissue. Have you had a heart attack in the past? And some patients will be like, no, I've never had a heart attack. Or I can look at, you know, the EKG, the electrocardiogram, and we can see 
distinct uh, what we call Q waves um, on the EKG that is indicative of a, of a heart attack. And, you know, I look at the EKG and said, man, this EKG is suggestive of you having had a heart attack in the past. Has anyone ever, you know, did you ever have a heart attack? And they're like, no. And so, yes, silent heart attacks happen. They tend to be more common in, um, in a subset of people, Jackie, like, like you mentioned, women. Um, and women tend to have, you know, one of the things, and I, and I will um, digress just a little bit because I wanted to talk about that. Sometimes, you know, women will have silent heart attacks. But another thing that we always um, um, know is that women tend to have atypical symptoms of heart disease and heart attacks. And when I say atypical, it goes back, you remember the, the traditional symptoms that I brought up, the chest pain, the shortness of breath, the breaking out in sweat, those are called typical symptoms. Women will sometimes have heart disease and not have chest pain, right? They won't, you know, it'll just be back pain. It'll be, you know, jaw or shoulder pain. It'll be extreme shortness of breath and fatigue, but never hurt in their chest. So, you know, we, you know, I always keep my antennas up for, for women if they're having, you know, symptoms that, you know, that don't include chest pain, but include some of those other things. And so women tend to have, have those atypical symptoms. Elderly people and another subset of people are, are diabetics. And uh, diabetics, especially people who've had diabetes, for long periods of time, they actually lose some of that sensation of having uh, traditional chest discomfort. And so diabetes can actually kind of mask the traditional symptoms of a heart attack. And so diabetics are, are you know, that subset of people that actually have more silent heart attacks than other people. But yes, silent heart attacks is, is a thing. And, and they can, you know, people will have them and and never had the traditional symptoms and, you know, never went to the emergency room, but they survived it. Doctor, one last question before we close out. This is a very informative conversation. If someone is having typical symptoms of a heart attack, how do you support your loved one? What is protocol from your perspective? So, yeah, protocol is if you feel that you or your loved one is having a heart attack, call 911. That's always the safest thing. Um, you know, definitely, you know, getting to an emergency room is important, but the dangerous thing about having a heart attack is heart attacks can lead to cardiac arrest, which is what we talked about earlier, um, in the segment. And, and I've actually had a few patients whose loved one has been bringing them to the hospital and they suffered cardiac arrest in the car. And, and so, you know, the, uh, the protocol, the most important things is if you start having chest pain, um, you or your loved one, call 911, let the paramedics come out. There are certain things they can do. Most of the times they can do, um, you know, EKGs, electrocardiograms on the spot. They know the traditional signs and symptoms. And that way, if this is a true heart attack, you can go ahead and start getting treatment for the heart attack on the way to the emergency room and also you will be in the ambulance and with medical personnel if you do suffer cardiac arrest. Mm. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only 
at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Very good information. Um, Dr. Brown, um, what are some things that we can do on a day in and day out basis? And I know you kind of alluded to some of, some of them um, to make sure that we're maintaining good heart health. I know you said, you know, proper sleep, eating more vegetables, eating more fruits, um, exercising. Is there anything else that we can do to make sure that we are maintaining proper heart health? Just something simple to leave our 365ers with. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, Jackie, like you mentioned, you know, I, you know, life's essential eights, you know, eat better, um, be more active. What we recommend is getting at least 150 minutes of moderate uh, exercise a week. Uh, if you smoke, quit smoking. You know, there's there's nothing good that comes out of smoking and tobacco. Uh, the fourth thing, you know, like we talked about earlier is getting more sleep. Seven to nine hours a night is what's recommended. Uh, manage your weight, you know, making sure you're having, you have a good body mass index and you can look up BMI, which calculates your body mass index based off of your height and your weight. It should be uh, 25 or less. Uh, controlling those risk factors that we talked about that actually lead to heart disease, making sure you're, you know what your cholesterol is, making sure your cholesterol is controlled. And if it's not getting it under control with, with diet and exercise or medications, if you need it, um, managing, you know, your blood sugar, if you have diabetes, and then if you have high blood pressure, controlling your high blood pressure. Um, so those are, you know, those are kind of the essential things um, that I like to leave the 365ers with. And we love it. That was very baseline stuff that anybody and everybody can do. Watch yourself, watch yourself, make sure you eat what you're supposed to be eating. And ain't nobody said you can have them fries from time to time, but it's just that from time to time, okay? Watch what you eat and take your medication. Go to the doctor. I got to say this again. Go to the doctor. Let me say this one more time. Go to the doctor because we act like in the black community, we don't know how to go to the doctor. We need to go to the doctor and make sure, like Dr. Brown said, we get those things that need to be checked, checked. Because if we don't get them checked, guess what? We all know. And you're going to be sitting up on the street somewhere like I should. Yeah, mm -hmm, go get them checked. I'm sorry. I got to get off my soapbox. Just... With that being said, doctor, where can people find you, website, social media? Where can we get more information on everything you've got going on? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, I'm located um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I work uh, uh, at Northside Hospital with a group called Northside Heart. So you can find me. You can uh, Google my name, Marcus Brown, um, you know, MD at, at Northside Heart. Um, and definitely, you know, if you're in the Atlanta area and you need a, you know, cardiovascular checkup, more than happy to, to assist you. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for um, just taking a few minutes out of your day and chatting with us in the 365ers um, about heart health. Uh, February is all about love. And, you know, the biggest piece of our body that has love and shows love is the heart. So if the heart ain't together, we can't give love. So had to uh, bring you on and talk to you today about um, American Heart Month. So thank you so much. Definitely appreciate you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. More than welcome. 365ers, as always, if you have any questions, anything you want us to cover, talk about, listen, we're ready. We want to know. Hit us up on Instagram at Black Health 365. Again, that is Black Health 365. Um, get those questions to us so we can make sure that we are taking back taking back our community one episode at a time. There it is. 365ers, my name is Brett Daniels. It was great having this heart to heart with you. 
<laughs> yes, I like that, Britt. This heart to heart with you. <laughs> and that's how we're going to end it. Peace, namaste, and love, y'all. Adios. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels. Created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez. Executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell. Editing and production, Jahi Whitehead. Sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.